Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back down the dry, dusty trail to another issue of Dirt to Dollars. Do, are we getting dry enough? Can we change? Do we change the name temporarily to Dust to Dollars? Or is it still dirt? <laughs> Got jokes. I... I it's it depends where you're at. Yeah. I think. I you know, Hardin County, especially is a really big county. LaRue County is kind of a small county, but uh we're I guess all of LaRue County is in a moderate drought now, according to the US drought monitor as of um uh last week, which it comes out Thursday and we're recording this on Wednesday, the 29th. So it, I, I have a feeling that may change when the next when the next monitor comes out. But the south part of Larue County is dust. It's getting really, really dry, southern, and you can see it. Southern part of Hardin County is the same way. We're, we're bad. Yeah. This last rain, well, the rain that wasn't meant to be, I guess, that came that. through over the weekend just didn't amount to much. I, and I will say, I mean, we'll take every drop, and I think we all got a drop or two from it. Some of us may got a – I might have got a, 10. 10 drops. 10 drops. Yeah, I got 11. So gotcha, but it was, it was nice. And then the cool weather after that, it kind of cooled off and there's this really heavy dew this morning, yeah. um, which helps, it does help. But the next couple of days, it looks like it's going to get hot again. And, but then it looks like we get some rain back in the forecast. So fingers crossed. I hope if you're listening to this on Abe Saturday and, and, or if you've got 4th of July plans, I hope the rain ruins all of your plans. I hope your hot dog <laughs> buns get soaking wet. Soggy hot dog buns for everybody. Um, but I, I, I hope it rains. It looks, it looks promising. And I will say too, it's kind of nice to at least be in some kind of cycle where, we're getting rain chances. Yeah. You know, it's, it, and it's raining around. There's areas mm-hmm. around us that are getting rain. And I don't know if anybody puts stock into precipitation outlooks and forecasts. We've kind of talked about them before and they never really panned out, but the six to eight and the 10 to 14, whatever those, there's two little outlooks they have on UK's weather's wet um, uh, forecast site and it looks favorable for rain. The next two weeks, it kind of so, yeah. Models are kind of showing like this pattern might kind of shift. Yep, and that's what I've been hopeful for all along. Is we've just got it out of the way in June, and rest of the year we're good to go. Hope hope so. I will say too, we're seeing it a lot in corn, especially. It's really showing some stress in these areas. Yeah, um, we did see s- some tassels start to to pop. Right. Yeah. Is it yeah. tassels or tassels? Tassels. Okay. T-A, I hear some T-O. people say tossels. I'm just well, just throwing it out there. Those people are wrong. Yeah, that's what I I think too. But I don't <laughs> correct them. I just I let them, let them call it what they want to call it: potato, potato. Right. But if you, um, that's a pretty important growth stage point for corn. And I know yeah. when if we do get this rain it's this weekend, they're all going to pop out. Yeah, there's going to be tossels popping out everywhere. But I or think, tassels. So you know, some of this early corn was tasseling late weekend first of the week and uh damage may already be done if it's saturday by the time we get a rain yeah i don't think with it being in the 90s and so and i don't dry. i don't think it's gonna be a well, here i go making predictions again and be careful we're gonna have somebody listening to this show pointed out that i was wrong come fall but uh 
I don't think it's going to be a 2012 on any of the corn. I don't think we'll have complete pollination failures, but there'll be some some damage there. Yeah, there'll be some funky looking ears, I'm sure, okay. um, with some some uh, rows missing, you know, or some pollination issues. There's so, um, there was a few I noticed in. I sort of took a tour of the county on Tuesday this week and just kind of seeing how dry things were. And the low wets wet areas were mm-hmm. shooting out toss. We're shooting out tassels yeah. that uh that day. And and I'm sure, like I said, it's it's very uneven because it's not the whole field. It's just those lower areas have gotten a little bit more moisture or moisture's collected there a little more. But um definitely in that stage for a lot of the corn, it's it's just ready to go and and start pollination soon. Uh, wheat harvest seems to be kind of wrapping up in Hardin and Larue counties. Uh, I was still surprised. There's still a few fields that haven't been ran yet. Yeah. And, uh, but it's pretty much wrapped up. Yeah. And seems like double crop beans have kept getting planted. Uh-huh. Uh, and I actually, when I noticed and I took some pictures cause in case somebody didn't believe me, but I saw some beans up. Yeah. I don't know I how they did that. it. I don't know how they did it. They hadn't been and really had rain on them. And well, there was but enough there would have been to, moisture in the ground when they were if they were planted early at the beginning of wheat harvest, right? Enough to get them up. But we they, uh, they, those are going to need some water. Yeah, those, they're in a rough state. It's a very sensitive stage for soybeans when they're first coming out of the ground like that. I finished mine yesterday, last night. So that congrats was Tuesday, and was really surprised we were able to get the planter in the ground, but we were able to do it and. They're laying in 100% pure dust. They're not in dirt. They're in dust. So they're going to need a rain to get them up. But they're not going to grow in the bag. Yeah, so we talk we talk about uh, corn and soybeans a lot, but we're seeing a lot of issues in pasture fields. Yeah. And in these uh, hay fields that have been – uh, you know, they've got most of them – pretty much all of them have been cut now, and some of them are maybe even trying to get a second cutting and – depending on how early they cut the first. Yeah, if you didn't cut your first cutting very early, there's not a second coming on. No. Um, it's just brown. Looks like yep. a yard. So it'll be yeah, – it's going to mean a lot for a lot of our local producers to have some hay with this this rain coming in this weekend. It may help, say, get us some grass growing again. But so, it brought up a topic that I want, we probably ought to mention because I, I noticed this on my place. I've got a field that has some Johnson grass in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I haven't had the animals in it. I've been kind of on my rotation. I haven't moved them to this lot yet, but that Johnson grass is starting to show some drought stress. You know, it looks like, kind of looks like some of the corn does, yep. um, sort of twisted up a little bit with burnt tips. What's probably not a good idea to let animals in on that. Right. Right. And I think some of if that, if you've got a lot, if it's just a plant here and there, you should be okay. It's a few patches, and it's surrounded by gra- the grass and clover around it is okay, and and it looks okay. And it's kind of surprised that the Johnson grass looks like it does with the grass around it not looking too terribly bad. But you can definitely tell it's drought stressed. And the reason that's a problem is for two different reasons with Johnson grass because you can have um, if you fertilized it, you could have some nitrate issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not fertilize this, so I'm not worried about that as much. But the other side of that is well, and if you acid. fertilized it this spring. Right, right. Fine. You should be fine. But if you've fertilized it recently, yes. Yeah. And but my other my main concern is prussic acid, yes. which we see the same you see this a lot when it dies from a frost or when it's mm-hmm. wilted from a frost. 
it's technically it's wilted now just from being dry and it can develop that prussic acid uh, levels. So, you know, if it looks healthy, it's probably okay. But if it starts to look drought stressed, you might, you might think about that uh, before you let the animals in. I'm, I've got another field I could put them in. So I'm probably going to do that first and see if this rain bounces it back this weekend, if we get it. Um, and I think we got an email earlier this week and I put my order in. Uh, we always get some nitrate test strips mm-hmm. uh, from the forge department forges department forges forge specialist group there we go that's what i'm looking for uh and it looks like this year they're going to send us not only some nitrate strips but some prussic acid strips uh so give us a call as we're going forward hopefully we'll have those here within the next week or two uh you can bring it by the office or if we're out doing a farm visit or whatever we can can run that test strip and i know on the nitrate it basically just detects a very low level and tells you whether you need to get a full test done on it or not. It's just a quick test. We can do it right there. It'll tell us whether it's a, it should be a caution or not. Uh, and then we can send it off to the lab if we think we need to or tell you you're good either way. Yep. Uh, before we leave the drought situation, some just something to keep in mind of, you know, during drought, we always need to have a plan, right? Especially with livestock, if we've got animals to feed. Uh, we've talked about hay being a little short this year. I think a lot of people carried some over last year. But if we don't get some rain here soon, uh, we're going to have to start dipping into that hay supply pretty quick. And, you know, if you start feeding hay, what are we, four months early? Yeah, probably. Uh, from the typical producer, then, you know, you're going to go through that hay supply pretty quick and you probably need to come up with some kind of an emergency forage plan. Uh, One thing to keep in mind also, if we don't get rain, some of this drought stressed corn, that's not going to make much. If you're an operation that has cattle and row crops, both be in communication with your insurance crop insurance agent, there's some options out there. You can chop that corn for silage and you're not going to lose your insurance coverage. Uh, you know, you'd still get, they'll come out and they need to know ahead of time so they can come out and do an appraisal on it, and that'll be your yield. Uh, and you still get coverage, and you'd still get a payment on what the difference is there. Uh, the only thing you're really out is you're not going to have whatever grain it would have made. You're not going to have that to sell, but uh Anyway, keep that in mind. If you've got some row crops and some livestock on the farm, that's an option you could have going forward. Maybe one of the most economical kind of slam, not going to say slam dunk, but sure thing options you have versus going out on this dry dirt and trying to plant some kind of a summer annual this late or something that you don't know if it's going to make it or not. You know that corn crop, at least the fodder is there. You've got something you could chop. Yeah. Uh, so and if that, it were to be kind of low quality stuff, there's there's products out there that you can get yeah. that'll supplement that that Which you know, can help. That I can out remember too. in in 2012 we had quite a bit of that go on, and uh, some of the tests we ran on stuff, it really wasn't as poor quality as you would have thought. The energy level was down, TDN was down a little bit, but protein was actually a little <laughs> higher. Uh, so really, it was pretty good feed, and it didn't need a whole lot of supplementation. Uh, it was as good or better than any 
hay you could have gotten put up. Mm-hmm. So uh, just keep that in mind. Or if you've got neighbors that you work with that have row crops, that that could be an option. You might go on and start being in discussion with them on some of this early planted corn. Because uh, if we don't get a rain soon, it's not going to be pretty for either one of those enterprises. And lastly, for some of our homeowners that listen, um, it's kind of been nice not having to mow the yard. That's one thing I'll take yeah. from this. I haven't had to mow the yard in a while. Yeah. If you got a yard and you're My really worried about it. weeds are still growing in the yard. Though. The weeds are still growing, but don't, if you're mowing your yards, mow it at the high setting. If you just really have to mow if it. If I mowed mine at the high setting, I wouldn't mow anything. <laughs> I know. So it, you know, it may not be pretty, but at least you got something there. I would not mow until we get some grain making yeah. the grass grow. Uh, Cause you're going to be doing some damage once you cut that growing point, cut down into that growing point and it gets dry like this. It can't handle, it can't handle it at all. Um, so that, that's a good reminder. And, and also if you got some trees that you planted in the last year or two, um, you give them a good watering. Um, they may not be showing stress, but they are. And I've got you, some that I planted this spring that are sometimes you don't see stress. that stress until it's too late on trees. So, so you're so, saying I'm too late. We'll do it now. I mean, I mean I, we've been watering. Well, maybe good, not every day, but every yeah, well, you don't have to water every days. day. But what I what I do is I, I've got a five gallon bucket with a couple holes drilled in the bottom. Like, I don't know, you know, something three sixteenths or so size hole and uh, then put, set it down in the at the tree around the right you know, right to the edge of the root ball that you got. Cause you probably know where that is. If you just planted it yeah. recently and uh, pour another five gallon bucket in there and just let it drain in there real slow, get a good soaking water to it. And that should last for a few, for a few days. Yeah. Um, I, I do mine about once every four or five days should be good. Just giving it a good soaking, right? Good soaking watering that gets down to the roots and encourages root development. Just pouring water right around the base of the tree. Isn't good. Isn't good for it. Hopefully it, uh, Oh, that's so that's not what we're supposed to do. Whoops. No, because you're not encouraging the roots to grow out. Gotcha. But it's better than nothing. Yeah. But you want to encourage those roots to go out. So that was a really quick education on some drought stuff that all of us are dealing with. Uh, But we've got a guest today that's going to talk about beef education and some of the stuff. He's and he's really good. So I think um, it's even in his job title. I think so. And I'm sure he's going to tell us about that. So, Matt, why don't you go ahead and give our guest an introduction? All right. So with us now, we have Mr. Braden Burks. He's the Director of Education for Kentucky Beef Council. Thanks for coming on with us today, Braden. Yeah, glad to be here. And I pulled it off. I didn't call you Brandon. So. That's right. That's right. My mom had to be funky and name me something that looked just like Brandon. So Braden is with us today to talk to us a little bit about the education side of Kentucky Beef Council. Uh, but before we get into that, can you just give us a little bit of your background and kind of how you got to where you are right now? Sure. Uh, appreciate being here. I grew up on, on a uh, on a I'm a third generation Hereford producer. Grew up on an Angus and Hereford operation in um, in Barron County, Kentucky, there in Park City. Um, I grew up with my papa riding around on the four-wheeler checking out all my moo cows. My first words were moo cow, actually. So um, grew up the, uh, knowing that uh, the cattle industry was something that was important to me, uh, my family legacy and being involved in that. Uh, grew up showing goats, started showing goats whenever I could basically walk. Uh, my dad would throw a throw a little boar goat in, in the back of our of our popper, and we'd truck around the whole state showing that little goat off. And uh, 
that's really where my roots very much started uh, involved in the agricultural and, and then even in the beef industry uh, because those goats, uh, when I was able to be a little bigger, turned into show cows and uh, grew up showing cattle going across the state with my family. Uh, then got involved in FFA whenever I was a freshman in, in high school. Uh, my ag teacher, Doug Berry, was my freshman ag teacher. And um, the first day of class, he came in with a $20 bill. And he said the first person to learn the FFA creed and recite it, memorized without looking at notes, would win this $20 bill. Well, I was always up for a good challenge, especially to win $20. So um, I, I went home, practiced uh, the FFA creed. It took me about a day and a half and uh, won $20, but it kind of, the FFA bug bit me, I guess you could say, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, the people that were involved in that association. I enjoyed being able to go out throughout the state and meet other FFA members that had similar interests to me uh, to realize I wasn't the only crazy guy that really, really liked cows, <laughs> um, but got involved in that association, got to serve at the chapter regional. And then my freshman year of college got to serve as a state officer. Uh, so I was state FFA vice president uh, from 2017 to 2018. And just really, really enjoyed that opportunity to, to go across the state representing Kentucky FFA. And um, from there, I, I kind of knew that I wanted to go into agricultural education in some way. I didn't know if that was in a classroom setting or, or what what way that looked, but I knew I wanted to teach people about agriculture. And if I could teach them about cows, I'd like that even better. Um, so I went to Western Kentucky University. Uh, go got Tops. My, go Tops, that's right. Tops on top. Uh, you'll like this. When I was when I was, when I was uh, a freshman, I would get on my Snapchat story every day, and Diet Coke was like my coffee. And so I'd make a little inspirational message, and my friends that will listen to this, they'll understand. Uh, I'd always end Diet Coke in hand, tops on top, have a good one. So I appreciate another, <laughs> another topper fan. I got my masters at Western. But there we go. There we go. Go, go Cats. I, 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 I can't. That's okay. That's okay. It's all right. If, and if I like Diet Coke, too. So you're all right. It's, it's okay. You're all right. You're doing if okay. If the tops aren't playing, I'm cheering for the Cats. How about that? Is that okay? That's fine. I'll allow it. Good deal. Um, but was involved there at Western and uh, knew I wanted to do something with education um, and got through student teaching, really enjoyed that opportunity. Uh, then had another job present itself uh, to go travel across the country working for a nonprofit. It was actually the fraternity I was in during college where I was a founding father and um, got to go across the country and go work for them for a while and uh, wanted to see if I could work in a non-agricultural related field. And I most definitely could not. And I found that out pretty quickly through that fraternity job. That job, it was a one-year contract. So, so I knew that it wasn't my forever job. And uh, then I found out that this position I'm in now was coming open. And so what I'm doing now is I'm the director of education for the Kentucky Beef Council. I do all things educationally related about beef. So I help utilize some of the checkoff funding. So for, for those who aren't familiar with what the checkoff is, the checkoff uh, for every head of cattle that's sold in the state of Kentucky, $2 of that goes into what we call the checkoff. $1 of that two is federal dollar. That federal dollar is split into 50 cents and 50 cents. 50 cents of that goes to the Cattlemen's Beef Board, uh, which is the national uh, entity that handles those checkoff funding. And they utilize that to go out to different um, contractors, such as NCBA, National Institute for Animal Agriculture, American Farm Bureau Federation, to go out and, and promote beef. The other 50 cents 
of that federal dollar comes back here to the state. So we have that federal dollar, it's 50 cents and 50 cents. In 2014, um, the KRS 247 uh, said that we want an additional dollar. And so that's our state dollar. And so we're one of the few states, there's a few other states, I know like Tennessee has a, has a state uh, check off as well, I'm pretty positive, but we have another dollar. So that's where the other dollar where it makes the $2 comes in. Now that state $1 is refundable. Uh, there was some pushback when that, was, when that came about, um, but that state dollar is refundable. And that's where I utilize a lot of my funding comes from that state dollar. And so I utilize that dollar. So our farmer producer dollars to educate others of the beef industry. And so I'm pretty passionate about that um, because, you know, I grew up as a producer and um, in my family, it, it's what I it's what it's what I want to continue my legacy on with my family's operation. And so I understand the hard work and dedication that our farmers are putting into this. So I, I take it very seriously whenever I go out and I'm looking at spending money, uh, knowing that it's our farmers, farmer so, dollars. So your education. So are you mostly educating farmers or are you yeah, mostly educating question. the consumer? There there's, I, I've got about two or three main, I've got three main, areas that, that, that I work on. One of those is producer focused, uh, where I work on producer education. Another one of those is consumer education. And the third is youth. And so focusing on those three, how, how can I educate those three groups um, about the beef industry? So I'm assuming you probably work with extension offices quite a bit. Obviously, I mean, you're here with us today. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm hoping to, to stay plugged in with our extension agents, um, 4-H agents and ag agents. Um, I, I've gone, I, I know a lot of our extension agents work hand in hand with our association. And uh, so I've gotten to go to a couple of association meetings ran by our extension agents and, and, and talk with those producers in that, in that county uh, about the checkoff, what we're doing, and uh, the opportunities that it can give them too, so... And I had a chance to uh, take a tour of the uh, the bluegrass uh, livestock facilities up there and uh, outside of Lexington, uh, and they have an educational place there. The uh, the yards. Is yes. that what it, uh, So do yep. you do do you do much much sure. stuff? So I that? I run the yards classroom there, and it's okay. it's housed at Bluegrass Regional Marketplace. Um, I do not work for bluegrass. I make that I make that up front. Um, I don't work for bluegrass, and but but what I do is we we pay rent to them to house that classroom there. And uh, I host anywhere when school is in session, one to two school groups a week. Those school groups can range from 30 kids to 60 kids um, every week there at the yards. And I teach those school groups um, the basics of beef most of the time. Uh, what it is uh, that, uh, that those kids need to know to go back home and be a good producer. Not everyone's going to go back home to the farm. And I understand that. And I think some of us in the ag industry probably know that may be a good thing, but some, that not everybody's going to go uh, try to raise cattle. Um, but what, but w what we do want is we want those people to go out and be a good producer and be a good consumer. And so that's really what I focus on there with our kids. Um, but I also do adult groups too. So I've had several adult leadership groups to come in and uh, I'll do various lessons with them if that's on, um, you know, the various meat cuts and, and, and what's a good steak swap. You know, everyone loves a good filet. Everybody loves a good ribeye, but not everybody can always afford a filet or a ribeye. What may be some good alternatives for you to use uh, back home uh, in your own recipes? Things like that. Just trying to make good consumers 
in a setting where we can bring the outside uh, public, the general consumer, the non-ag backgrounded person in to see what we're actually doing in our industry. Um, and if you've never been to the arts classroom, it, it is really, really cool. I, I was kind of fanboying a little bit when I found out I got this job because I get to run that classroom um, because it is very, very nice. And it's a great way to get people plugged in. Well, and it's good because sometimes as producers, we forget that there's a lot of the public that isn't aware of what we do, how we do it, why we do it, um, or the, you know, the, like the cuts and the importance yeah. of, you know, the differences that are there and cost differences and things like that. So I think, I think it's good that, that there's someone like you in that role that can, can help just be another tool to help educate the public about those sure. differences and, and, and why and they're there. Going off that, you know, another thing that I do is uh, I do school visits and school uh, do ag days, beef days. I get invited to those and I get to come set up and uh, talk to the kids about beef. And I was at a at a school there in Hardin County uh, called Creekside Elementary and uh, they're in Sonora. And it was my first main ag day I'd went to. And so I really wasn't 100 percent sure what the knowledge was going to be, you know, I thought, well, I, I came from a very similar backgrounded, you know, rural county, you know, those kids will be similar to like how I was. And by the time I was five, I can name about every cow breed I had in my toy cow collection. And I was talking to this school group and I was, I was really trying to hit on byproducts. So what else can we get from beef cows besides beef? Looking for answers, answers like leather and, and, you know, other goods. And uh, I said, you know what, kiddos, besides beef, what can we get from our cows? And I had a second grader raise their hand and straight as day said chicken nuggets. We can get chicken nuggets from our beef cows. <laughs> and um, that just it, it, it's, it's comical a little bit. But but it's also you think about it. That's rural Kentucky where you leave that school. You see cows on either side of the of the school. Um you what can about see cows our, behind that school. Yeah, yeah. But what about our schools in Lexington and Louisville and Bowling Green and Owensboro? You know, if our yeah. if our kids in rural Kentucky think chicken nuggets come from cows, I we may be getting dinosaurs from cows from Louisville. I don't know. So, um, but I, but I think that there's a need there, and uh, and so that's why I'm really passionate about going out and trying to get in touch with these people. Um, yeah, it's it's been surprising to me, even in, you know, in Larue County as well, being a rural county, and the kids are very disconnected from agriculture. Yeah. Very, it's very surprising. So, and, uh, and it makes sense because I mean, they're you know, a lot of these kids they don't even have grandparents that you know us even like you know we had parents and grandparents that 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 would farm and had some kind of connection to it, but you know, a lot a lot of times they don't, and they I and they're not even looking out the window when they drive around anymore. They're looking at their yeah. tablet or something you know they're not even yeah. paying attention to what's going on around them i think the statistic is it's uh, we're two to three generations removed from the family farm most of the u.s population is two to three generations removed so yep. so i know you talked a little bit about your ffa involvement there and i just want to say that i called it whitney and i heard you uh give a presentation at the kca board meeting friday and i looked over at her and i said i bet this guy was a state ffa <laughs> officer at one time but yep. uh anyway i know you were talking some then about at that meeting about uh a kind of a program i guess that you did at state ffa convention uh with signing on some future sure. beef producers can you talk a little bit about that yeah so uh i i'm not an athlete 
I, I sometimes like to pretend that I am, but I'm most definitely not an athlete. Um, but I see a lot of the publicity that a lot of those athletic kids get whenever they're signing their scholarships and things. And, and I know that we may have, uh, have producers in our state that are just going to go back home and farm. And that a lot of people may think down upon that or they're not going to give them any recognition. So I wanted to come up with a way uh, and continue a way because we had started doing this with the Beef Council a few years ago, um, but kind of ump it up a little bit and get more kids involved. And so we did a beef signing day. Uh, we came up with a proclamation that uh, basically said that those kids are committed to being producers, uh, beef producers in, in Kentucky in the future. They're committed to, to continuing on a legacy or starting a new legacy, and they're going to continue to advocate for our industry and share their story with others. And I had 20 kids to sign up, and uh, they got to come up one-on-one, -on -one, one by one. Uh, Dave Maples was there. Dave is the executive vice president for our Cattlemen's Association and as well as with the Beef Council. And then Andy Bishop. Andy's a producer from uh, near Bardstown, Kentucky. Uh, he serves on the Cattlemen's Beef Board. So we talked about that national entity that takes in that federal 50 cents. He's the treasurer uh, for the Cattlemen's Beef Board. So he's got a big job and, and he's definitely a believer in the checkoff and in youth himself. And so I had them to come in, speak to those kiddos, and they got to sign along uh, along with those kiddos. And uh, it was just a really, really cool event. Each kid got, got to put on like their beef hat. You know how when the, those football players pick whatever school hat and they stick it on their head. Same thing. Um, they also got an educational binder that was stuffed full of ways to how do you want to start your own operation? How do you continue your family's operation? Uh, and, and that binder was designed um, to, to it, it has been proven to help start other people uh help others start their own operations. All right. And, quick question about this yeah. decision. All sure. right. So with athletes, uh -huh. they have like, they'll have the UK hat, but then they also have the other schools. Right. Was this, was there like any kind of suspense? No, there, there, there was no sheep hats. No, there no, like a, I'm disappointed. <laughs> no sheep, no I, I know why there wasn't a sheep hat. Cause he's afraid they're going to pick it up. Oh no. <laughs> We're, we're fans of all of all livestock commodities. Don't, don't get us wrong. But, uh, but no, we, we just had our beef hats up there. So gotcha. Gotcha. We just had our beef hats up there. But had 20 kids do that, and uh, the, all their pictures are in the recent Cow Country News article. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing those kids, um, I had kids anywhere from Hart County um, to, to Russell County, um, Bourbon County. So they're all across the state. Trigg County. And so it's a great way to get those kids involved and, and give them a little more recognition. Yeah. Good. I mean, it's good recognition for the beef industry too. I think that was a really, really good idea. Right. There's a lot of people that, that aren't that worry about, you know, where's our next generation of farmers coming from? And, and that's, that's where they're coming from. They're coming from those kids um, that have been involved in, in youth programs like FFA, like 4-H, um, you know, hopefully like junior cattlemen's, which maybe we'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but they're, they're involved in those programs and they need that recognition. We need we as beef producers, as the beef community in Kentucky, need to look and realize that's our next producer. That's our next generation. And we want to get them plugged in. So I wanted to give them some recognition, get them um, the opportunity to be in the spotlight for a little bit and uh, let them know that we appreciate what they're doing. We appreciate what they're going to continue doing. 
I'll wrap up the FFA talk real quick. Sure. But you were, because I wasn't in FFA, but I don't have anything against FFA. I'm an honorary LaRue County member now. But hey, there you go. I, Miss, I, Misty Bivens would be so proud. Yep. Her and Mr. Thomas, I think, I think they're, uh, they're, they're a little proud of me. They gave me a little, I got a little, honor, I'm an honorary member. I'm but, still working on mine. So. Yep. We'll get you there. <laughs> so, um, who, who was your the president when you were vice president? Martin State Williams. Office? All right. So okay. I just wanted to do a quick shout out because uh, I've gotten to know Martin pretty good through Kentucky Ag Leadership Program. Yeah. And uh, his younger brother uh, just yeah. got appointed as state president yeah. for this year. So, so it, it's pretty congratulations cool. Congratulations to him. My sister uh, just got done serving as state FFA Sentinel. Um, and then uh, there was two – Two brothers, uh, there's two others on my team, so Martin Williams and Wyatt Wood, uh, with the three of us were state FFA officers together. Well, my sister, Tristan, just got done serving as state sentinel, and then um, both Martin's brother and Wyatt's brother are, are both currently serving as state FFA officers. And so it's pretty cool to see, you know, three of us siblings um, you know, continue to serve in a, in yeah, a cool that's way. Neat. I know you do a lot of work with the the junior cattlemen program too. You want to talk a little bit about that? I think they've got a, I think they've got a big show coming up too along yeah. with that. So every fall, uh, our the Kentucky Junior Cattlemen's Association puts on a livestock or a cattle show called the Fall Classic. Um, that is that show is designed to to bring in our kids sort of as one of the last hoorahs uh, of the show season. Uh, most of the kids will turn out their turn out their show heifers uh, at the end of state fair. And so this is this is just about a about a month later. Uh, this year it's going to be September 23rd through the 25th. Um, but there's contests all throughout the weekend. So judging contests, photography sales, um, fitting contests. That's going to allow those kids to come and, and participate in in other things besides just showing. Uh, but then we'll also have our cattle show there too. So showmanship, where that's judging the the showman how well they're showing their animal. And then an actual the actual cattle show as well, evaluating their animals too. So we had uh, Nathan Lawson on before, and um, I, I had prepared a song, and I apologize. I, did, I don't I don't have a song for you for you this <laughs> this time. Um, go get my tissue. I was I was uh, slacking in my preparation skills, but anyway, we we play on a on a radio station that has classical country music. Do you have a Do you have a favorite classic country song? We might can put in a request. We know a guy. I don't. Mm. Two Two of my top favorites are George Strait and Garth Brooks. So about anything uh, George or Garth related, I'm in on. Okay, we'll keep that in mind. We'll We'll yeah. see if we can get him to spend those for you. Yeah. We're all George Strait fans, or yeah, hey. anyway, so. yeah, yeah. I can still make Cheyenne. <laughs> that sounds like a winner. <laughs> Um, another thing I'd like to hit on, if that's okay, uh, with, with our beef council. So um, with our Kentucky beef council, I wanted to do a, some sort of youth involvement trip. And so the first week of August, I'm going to be taking about 17 kids across the state and doing a, a beef leadership tour. Uh, so we'll start in Lexington. Um, we'll go to our backgrounding operation at Miss Brenda Paul's. Uh, then we'll, we'll go back here to the office, D uh, Dave, uh, Dave Maples, the exact vice president. He's going to talk with them. And then we're going to go to Alltech. Uh, we're going to go to next day. We're going to get up. We're going to go to Multigen. We're going to go to Branchview, uh, Tartar Farm and Ranch. And then we'll end up the next day in Bowling Green, um, Bowling Green, Hopkinsville area, actually uh, going to go to Hampton Meats. They're going to get to see, uh, see a carcass get broken down and then go to Champion Pet Foods and and then we're going to go to a Hot Rods baseball game there in Bowling Green. So going to take about 17, 18 of those kids. 
Um, most of those kids have not really been plugged into to much of our um, of our youth involvement programs, and so I'm excited to get some new new faces uh, plugged into what we're doing beef council related, and uh, hope to continue their their involvement in not just the beef council but in our association as well. Hopefully, you've got some time scheduled in there to have a shower in between changing yeah, I, pet I, food I, I hope and hot so. rods game. Because yeah, as a former hilltopper, I know that the dog food. Well, this so this isn't the dog food plant that that you're thinking of. This this one, um, we actually got to go tour it uh, when I was at Western, and uh, it's probably cleaner than most of the uh, most restaurants. Uh, It it is super super nice, and that's actually think about um, if Ruth Chris Steakhouse made dog food. That's champion pet foods. There you go. Uh, they go source uh, ingredients from specific farms across the country and bring them in there. There's no byproducts made in any of their food. It's really, really neat. So I'm excited to take those kiddos there. But I know exactly awesome. the dog food uh, you're, you're <laughs> thinking of because walking up the hill, you know, if it's a bad day, you know, you can smell it walking up to yep. Cherry. Yeah. Uh, one more thing we forgot to hit on that, that you cover just make sure we're covering all bases here i know you work quite a bit in the schools and working with some of our uh, family consumer science teachers and in the schools Uh, what are some things that you do uh, with them to try and get beef awareness out there sure Um, i'm actually going to be going uh, to newport kentucky tomorrow and uh, doing a, a culinary enrichment program teaching kids how to make beef stir fry tomorrow and uh, so I'm excited to do that. But we're actually going to be having a dinner this summer with our FCS teachers. And I kind of want to hear, you know, what do you need from me? How can, how can I better help you? Um, I, I've ordered a bunch of posters, about 400 posters, to give out to both the ag teachers and our FCS family consumer science teachers to hang in their classrooms that showcases meat cuts. It showcases how beef is a sustainable um, entity. Um, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, cow farts and cow burps are killing the planet. But, you know, we could take all the cows away from the U.S. and that would only decrease greenhouse gas emissions by only 2%. You know, that's cattle or upcyclers. Um, but people don't see that. So hopefully get, getting posters involved in, in our ag and our FCS uh, teachers' classrooms. Um, but really kind of want to hear, you know, to, with our FCS teachers, what, what do you need from me? How, how can I better help you and help serve you uh, in your role? Because beef is just as important uh, there as it is in our ag classes. Yeah. So you mentioned you were doing some cooking demonstrations there. Is that something, have you always liked to cook or is that something that had to come with the job <laughs> no, you had to I, adapt to? Or? I'm kind of a nerd. Uh, I, I really sort of enjoy cooking. Uh, my sister Tristan and I would grow, we, growing up, I don't know, are, are you familiar with the TV show Chopped where they get yeah. the mystery basket? We would do that in our kitchen. Um, my mom would make us mystery baskets and and we would uh, we'd come up with the ingredients and recipes and we'd get put the timer on and, and my grandparents would be judges. We printed out scorecards. So we were, we went, <laughs> we were legit when we did it. Um, but so I've always enjoyed cooking and uh, then of course being able to tie in beef, the thing that I like the most. Uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I feel like Rachel Ray sometimes uh, do it, doing those demonstrations. But yeah, I've, I've, I've gotten to enjoy cooking a lot more as I get older. And Matt, you're like a big smoker now, right? You got your big smoke grill. I didn't know where you're going with that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. We got I need to get a smoker. I haven't grill. done that yet. Yeah, 
Yeah, I just bought a house, so uh, I, I'm just now breaking in my gas grill. I made a <laughs> made, made steaks last night, but oh man, I tear the gas grill still, up. I cook still, on that more than anything. Stealing any steaks that I can from the deep freeze back home from the farm. So mm-hmm. sorry, so, Dad. Sorry, Eddie. We do have to ask, what's your favorite cut of beef? Um, if I'm not worrying about price, I love ribeye. Ribeye is definitely my favorite. Um. From for a budget friendly cut, the, the one that I there's two I really have enjoyed. Um, they're both actually come from the chuck, which is that shoulder region. So, that in that, in that chuck area, you're going to have a, a high beefy flavor, um, but it's still going to be fairly tender. Um, one of those is the Denver steak, it, it's a newer cut, it's pretty high marbling. Uh, the other is a flat iron. Flat iron, the flat iron is actually the second most tender cut in the animal, um, but a lot of people don't realize that because it comes from the chuck and not the loin. Um, so I actually I had a flat iron last night and uh, salt, pepper, garlic powder, um, put it on the grill, and uh, I made a, com- a compound butter. I took some uh, some crushed garlic and put it in room temp butter, and uh, put it in clinch plastic and stuck that in the fridge. And I'll just cut a little sliver of that off and stick it on top of my steak once I pull it off the grill and let that butter sink into the steak. It was so good. So, but Down those are those are the two right now that are. Uh, that, that are a little bit more budget friendly. Another one of those is the chuck eye steak, which is the same muscle as a ribeye. It's uh, just from the, from the back portion of the shoulder where that chuck and that rib meet. There's, there's a muscle right there called the chuck eye steak. So if you're interested in those, uh, they may be a little bit more budget friendly, uh, but you could prepare them and cook them right. And they're, they're really, really good. Yeah, flat favorite? iron's one of my favorites too. Yeah. I mean, I, a, if I had to pick, I gotta say filet. I mean, I mean, I'm I, I like a filet. I like I, a filet, but I'm usually too hungry for a filet. Yeah, yeah that's true. I can always, I, you know, the uh, the uh, the serving recommendation in just three ounces of beef, you get fifty one percent of your daily protein requirements. Beef provides ten essential nutrients, but you're getting fifty one percent of your daily protein in just three ounces of beef. Uh, I don't know about you all, but I definitely eat more than three ounces when I go to go and get a steak. Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. I'm a New York strip guy here. Can't beat yeah. it. Ain't nothing in, wrong uh, with a New York strip. In uh, in my New yard York classroom, City. I, I get uh, I get get some of them high school groups in, and uh, I talk with them. I said, you know, with when if you have your uh, insignificant or significant other, whichever one that might be, you go out to a fancy steakhouse and uh, you're balling on a budget. Get a porterhouse. One of you eat the fillet. One of you eat the New York strip. And that just blows those kids' mind because I'm like, well, I'm getting two steaks and one. They're 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 cheating me. They're cheating me. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that, that's about got us wrapped up on time. Uh, Braden, appreciate you joining us today. Appreciate all you're doing to uh, educate the public about the beef industry. And yeah, thanks uh, hopefully- for thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah. Just quick shameless plug. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, in in ever doing a tour at the yards, if that's an adult group or, or a school group, it doesn't have to be an aggregated group. I had 60 kindergartners yesterday come in. Uh, so doesn't matter your age range. Uh, we're very customizable. You can find us on our website at learntheyards.com. Uh, you can find us at kybeef.org if you're interested in, in the Beef Council or Junior Cattlemen's Association at kycattle.org. All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we'll be sure to we'll have to get you on sometime again, and I'll try to have a song prepared next time. Promise. Hey, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> expecting a little George Strait next time. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Braden. We'll thanks. see you. Hey, thank you all. All right. Good stuff there with uh, Mr. Braden, not Brandon. I, I think we just need to talk about beef cuts. 
Yeah. We'll get him we back. We should have started with that. Summer grilling <laughs> season. We missed an opportunity there. So Yeah. Well, You've always got to do one show to get to know somebody like that. I feel like, can we consider him a friend of the show now? I think so. Back? We'll have to, we'll get him back. Maybe we can do like tailgating season, like when kids football yeah. time, we can talk about tailgating season and we can talk about some grilling stuff there. Cause I think he's got a, I think we just tapped into a little bit of his uh, expertise on, on, uh, on beef there as far as the beef cuts and stuff goes, but sounds like he's doing some good stuff and is a good fit for that position. Yeah, if you're if you're listening out there and you're an educator or work with any youth groups and want to get in touch with Braden, I'd encourage you to schedule a trip up there to the yards. Or if you know you're having any ag days coming up or anything, reach out and invite him. If uh, if you need to, reach out to us and we can reach out to him for you. So I got stung by a hornet. No, oh. it was not fun. Have did you ever been stuck? Ankle? Yeah, I did for the first time last uh, last summer on vacation, hiking trails in the Smoky Mountains. Well, I was in my barn, my and I I heard something buzzing a little bit, but I had I had my earbuds in listening to podcast. And um, were you listening to Dark Dollars? No. Oh. So I, I was listening to something, and so I you know when you do that, it's not very safe when you think about it because you can't hear. Yeah, if there's a rattlesnake next to you, or if a bee's buzzing around your head, but this thing was around my feet, and it got—I had socks. I was wearing shorts, but I had socks that were kind of coming out of my boots a little bit, and uh, it got right on my sock. So I didn't really feel it touch my skin, but I felt it sting me. My yeah. gosh! But it got me around my—I say boots—they were kind of booties, I guess, but they were uh, well, they were like the slip-on kind of boot things. Hmm. They they work all right. I kind of like wearing those when I'm doing something real quick out in the farm. But anyway, it stung me on my ankle and it hurt and it was bleeding. And bleeding? Uh, yeah. And and I was like, You sure it wasn't a murder hornet? No. Okay. Maybe it maybe an attempted murder hornet. <laughs> that, but it, it it got me on my ankle and it bled a little bit. And uh, but it didn't kill me. So it wasn't a murder hornet. Okay. And and I, I, I reached, I had to keep a can of that spray in the barn. I pulled it out and I nailed it. I mean, I was 20 so feet away. you caught him? You saw him? Yeah, I killed that thing. And, uh, but anyway, so I was like, daggone it, that hurt. And I was walking around trying to walk it off and it, it really hurts. Does it itch uh, now? No, it never itched. But the huh. next day that thing swelled. You'd have thought I sprained my ankle. Yeah. That's how it swelled up like I, I don't know about, and then it year. started hurting about three or four inches away from where it actually stung me, and, <laughs> I, and like it felt like I sprained my ankle. So, watch out for them things. Mine they started itching a couple of days after, didn't, and then itch for like two weeks. So anyway, there's my my hornet story. I don't like hornets, <laughs> and we get we get to ask to identify those quite a bit. Um, and there are no murder there are no murder hornets around, so. Um, you know, if you see a big yellow thing, it's probably a hornet or a wasp. It ain't a murder hornet. Seen any bears around Hardin County? I have not, no. You know, I did see another, uh, somebody posted about seeing a uh, armadillo. We were talking about armadillos a few weeks ago. They've been still popping up some more. Uh, but there's a bear in, in LaRue County out around uh, Athertonville. There was a sighting this week and it's been, it's made its social media's rounds. So watch out for them bears. It's that time of year though. Didn't this kind of the time of year we normally start seeing reports of bears. Yeah. 
late summer, seems like. I'd be a little selfish. We had a on-farm sheep program this week at uh, yeah. Kenny Gardner's farm. He's a real gracious host to let us come out there and kind of utilize his handling when facilities. When was it? It was Tuesday. It was the 28th. It was uh, Tuesday night. It was last Man, night. you could we not this, have asked for better weather. We were looking at the forecast and was like, you know, we're not going to do this if it's going to be too hot for one reason, because it's hard on the animals mm. when you work them in the heat, but uh, it's hard on people too. But I brought a cooler full of waters and, and Kenny actually had a cooler full of waters there too. And I don't think anybody even drank any water. It was so nice out. <laughs> you didn't, you just, it was perfect night. Um, but we were, uh, we've had her on the show before, but Dr. Jesse lay came down and, a, and another vet tech they have up there. Um, I think her name was Emily Clement Clement. I don't, I don't sure how to pronounce it, but anyway, uh, they came down with uh, Kentucky state university and they did a pretty good uh, presentation on parasites and, uh, how to control those and sheep and why it's important and things to look at and how to, you know, we did a lot of eye FAMACHA testing and how to check the eyes. Uh, and, is it FAMACHA? I mean, I, sometimes I'm kind of fancy with it and I go FAMACHA because I feel like I'm high class when I say it like that. But, um, but yeah, they, they showed how to do that, how to do some body condition scoring on, uh, on sheep, which is tough because a lot of these hair sheep have, they're fuzzy. And you can't always see, you can't always tell by looking at them if they're in good condition or not. But kind of like me, I'm kind of fuzzy, so you can't tell how fat I am. Same, same. So it was a pretty good program. So I wanted to give a shout out to them and thank them for that. And and just a reminder, if anybody is, you know, got some interest in sheep and goats, we we try to meet pretty regularly and give us a call here at the at the Larue County office, and we'll get you on our contact list when we do programs like that in the future. Had a lot of new had several new people that are new into the small ruminants and have been having issues. So it's one of those, one of those animals that you probably will, when you get started in it, you probably will have some issues. Um, but we'll try to help keep you in line and make sure that, uh, they don't get too out of hand and you can figure out what's going on. Y'all are just on track to become the small ruminant capital of the world over there at Wonder County. I'm pretty sure. You know, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope it's raining when you're listening to this. And uh, if not, it, it'll rain soon enough. Keep your head up. It's going to it's gonna get better soon, I hope. Please rain. Has to. Yep. All right. See you all next week.